All right. Well, welcome to this episode of the Text Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Jackson Moody. If y'all would do me a favor, click subscribe, give it a good review. Um, I don't know quite what I would do if you show me proof of good review yet, but I am working on it. Uh, but anyways, we got some good news in the text tech world. Uh, not only has Grant McCaslin been hired officially and finally as a head coach of Texas Tech men's basketball, and we'll talk about that first, but Texas Tech baseball got off the snide. They got off their four-game losing skid. It wasn't always the prettiest from the pitching end. Uh, Texas Tech beat TCU on Friday. They they fell behind eight runs early, and then they gave up another eight over the next five innings, and they still won the game 20-16. to 16. Uh, Brandon Beckel, with the save, makes his return, did the zip it to his own mouth uh, celebration after the eighth inning. That was a thing of beauty. And then on Saturday, we dropped the game to TCU. It was a tight one throughout. Sunday on the rubber game, TCU scores three in the first. We bounce back, beat them 10-5. to Some controversy has ensued. We'll talk about it all. Uh, Here we go. All right, so first off, basketball. This has been a long time coming. Grant McCasland has seemed like the guy for quite a while now. I got to say, I did not like the thought of Grant McCasland coming in as at first, and I've written as much on Heartland College Sports. Um, if you read my articles, you, you'd see that I've kind of evolved over time. I think it was when I was doing two pros, two cons on him, that I started to really like this hire. I really do. Um, this guy, it's a team, he's a coach that his team fights for him. I mean, they knew that he was leaving for Texas Tech and they still fought and won their first NIT. Uh, despite all of that, he can handle locker room adversity. Um, he can handle off the court issues. He does not get into trouble. Uh, he has a clean track record. And I know we thought Mark Adams had a clean track record. Um, I, we all misjudged that one. Some of us misjudged it a bit longer than others. I'm not going to say names, desert boy, but anyways, he is a high quality guy. It seems he has connections to Texas tech. His grandfather played football at Texas tech. His wife, uh, played soccer at Texas tech. Uh, so he does have connections. He is a Baylor alum. I, I believe that his oldest daughter was a freshman at Baylor this year. I And I, I don't know much about his family. I'm assuming from the pictures, just guessing the ages, that his daughter was actually in Texas Tech gear. So take that. Baylor sucks to be you. Uh, but Grant McCaslin, I think, is a high-quality hire. I think he is a guy that can get players to play for him. He has a distinct system. I think that his offense will increase in tempo as the year moves along. I still think that Ben McCollum ends up at Texas Tech. As uh, and, and this is... I, some people have told me advisory role. The closest guy I know to the program told me advisory role. Um, I'm not sure about that. He coaches a D2 school in Missouri. And if you don't... If you don't know who Ben McCollum is, uh, look him up. His record is quite impressive. Um, I think that Uchoi, uh, and I promise you, I promise you once Tech is his Tech, 
officially hires him, I will get much, much better at pronouncing that name. But I think that he will be coming along from North Texas staff. I believe there may be one other that comes along from uh, UNT staff. And I think that Pinkins, it's being rumored that he's going to stay at Ole Miss with Chris Beard. Um, you know, I got to say, that one kind of surprises me. If we don't get Pinkins or Peary, and I know the rumors are that Peary may go to Kansas State, that would uh, kind of surprise me if we don't get either of those two, but I wouldn't be completely against it, and here's why. We all know that the boosters played a role in forcing Mark Adams out. And I'm not against the boosters on that, by the way. I, I, I was calling for Mark Adams' head back in February. I, I was calling for his head in my own head back in December. Um, but I get why you wouldn't want people close to some important donors on your staff. You want to be able to have some freedom, be able to build your own team, focus on that. So I completely get that part of it. I will say all the players who are not in the transfer portal were at the press conference, and I really did like this press conference on Monday. I, I didn't watch it all. I'm going to admit that. But one thing stood out to me, one thing from the video, and one other thing. First from the video that Texas Tech released, he was talking about, I don't want to win 15 games. I want to win championships. And I got to be honest, I really love that part of it. He, he is not a guy that's going to settle for mediocrity. Every program he has been to, whether it be JUCO, whether it be D2, whether it be uh, in some mid-major in Arkansas, whether it be at North Texas, he has elevated that program. The second thing from his press conference that stood out to me was he said, I wanted to have this on this Monday, the Monday of the national title game, because I won't be playing on this game on this Monday really soon. This is a guy that turned down jobs. He turned down Big 12 and SEC jobs. Um, I, I know some people think maybe Mississippi State, maybe, um, who was it? Uh, sorry, Kansas State were two of the ones that he may have turned down. He saw a fit at Texas Tech. He has roots at Texas Tech. He got his master's from Texas Tech. He started his coaching career or very early on in his coaching career at Texas Tech. He does have roots there. He knows the area well. He can recruit in Texas. And while you you still are a team that can recruit nationally, you're not going to be a team that can recruit nationally like Chris Beard does. And he does elevate players. He does. Every year at North Texas that he's been there, he's had a player that was their star player that was able to transfer out. And now I know people say, oh, well, he can't retain players. When you're playing at Texas Tech in the Big 12, with our NIL, you can retain players. You can retain players for certain. Um, in a mid-major, yeah, part of the goal is to get players good enough that they can go to Power 5. That's the players' goals. And Conference USA, by the way, was a beast this year. They won the CBI. They were first and second in the NIT, and they had a team go to the Final Four. And he still finished second. He still won the NIT. Uh, Louisiana Tech gave us issues this year in Lubbock, and they were not even in the top four Conference USA teams this year. This guy can win in competitive leagues. Uh, can he recruit Big 12 talent? That remains to be seen. Can he 
coach against the best that the country has to offer because the Big 12 really does have the best coach. You look at Scott Drew. You look at Chris, um, not Chris Beard. He Well, they did have him for a while. Uh, you look at Bill Self. You look at Jerome Tang. You even look at Otts. Uh, there are some great coaches in Big 12. Can he coach against those guys? That remains to be seen. You have Bob Huggins. You have Porter Mosier, uh, Final Four appearance. You have Mike Boynton, who is a heck of a recruiter. I don't think he's a great coach. Um, can he compete at, at those levels? I mean, you are being tossed into the big leagues. It's one thing to dominate AAA, which he has. It's another thing to go to the MLB and dominate. And we've seen guys dominate in the minors and flame out. I remember, and on the flip side, we've seen guys uh, in AAA. I remember I was at one game. Uh, I went with my at-the-time girlfriend. Uh, it was a AAA game in Round Rock. Edison Alvarez hit a home run. And then we went to a game in Houston when I was visiting her. And he hit a home run in Houston the same week, within a week. So it's going to be interesting. You saw a six-year deal, $18 million total, I believe, in that ballpark. Uh, so he's getting about $3 million a year. That's a lot of money. That's a long-term commitment. He is a guy that they clearly see as a program builder. Norenz Odiase spoke on it. And I'll tell you what, either this guy is completely honest or uh, my company is probably going to be calling him to replace me in my sales jobs in West Texas because he would be a heck of a salesman if he's not being honest because he was just going off about how he really is one of us. He has the grit. He has the determination. His teams play hard, and you watch North Texas. They play hard. They play really hard. They're playing hard in a mostly empty stadium in Las Vegas for the NIT semifinal when they were down big at half for the NIT final uh, in their fourth time playing a conference opponent this year. And I, I think that he is a good fit. The defensive identity won't leave. The offensive identity, unfortunately, may not leave much either, but could be at least improved upon. So, all in all, is this a home run hire? Like if you would have hired Billy Donovan, gotten Sean Miller, one of those guys of that ilk? No, it's not. Um, it's not an eyebrow-raising hire for a lot of teams in the Big 12 that maybe think less of your program than what you do or what I do. But... If he's a fit and he's a good coach, then it's not about winning the press conference. I know Joey McGuire won the press conference, but then he also went and won on the field. And people kind of looked at Joey McGuire and said, he really text text hiring a high school coach. And then he went, got our first winning season in Big 12 play in over a decade. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think it is a good hire. Uh if Chris Beard stayed longer at his previous stops before he got to Texas Tech, I bet that I bet you his resume would look pretty much the same. And quite honestly, Grant McCassins may even be better. All right, but enough with basketball. We we have actual sports being played, not just the press conference. Texas Tech on Friday against TCU, and there is a lot to take out of this series. One thing that I took out of the Texas series, and I told y'all before, hey, getting swept by Texas in three competitive games where you fought back multiple times in the series and just couldn't close it out without your best reliever is not 
a reason to give up on the season. I know there was maybe one tech account that uh, said horrible baseball all week long. I vehemently disagreed with that take. Uh, that was for the Texas series. They lost to New Mexico, a uh, high-scoring game. But against TCU, the wind was blowing in Lubbock, and you allowed two in the first, six in the second. It was not a great start for Gerton. Um, and still, I believe that Gerton and Molina are both very good pitchers. Um, I have faith in them to turn it around, bounce back from this weekend. You get two in the second, give up one in the third, get three more in the third, uh, give up one in each the fourth, fifth, or six, and six. You get one in the fifth. You give up four. You get four in the sixth. You're back in the game at that point. It's looking good. Hudson White with the double to left field. You're within two, and then you give up four runs in the seventh, and then all heck breaks loose in the bottom of the seventh. You put up a nine spot, and I got to say, Sarlos, uh, however you say that guy's name, I don't know what he was doing in the bullpen, TCU's manager. I have no clue what Sarlos, sore loser, um, whatever you want to call him. I know some people like to call him that, was doing in the bullpen. But he just decided, all right, we'll just give up a run. We'll just give up another. We'll, we'll We'll just let this game play out. And in a blink of an eye, it's 17-16. They make a pitching change. Gage Harrelson, single to center field, scored another couple, 19-16. And Gavin Cash gives you a little bit of insurance uh, at 20-16, but really at 19-16. I know it's crazy to say this, but at 19-16 with Brandon Beckel coming in to pitch a couple innings, he has what? He's pitched about 18 to 20 innings. He's given up one earned run all year, and you're giving him a three-run lead. I know this team just put up 16 on you in seven innings, scored in every inning, but guess what he does? Drops a couple goose eggs, uh, talks a little. He, he, He directed his talk to the bench this time. He directed the talk to the bench this time. And that's about that. Overall, not a good day pitching. Not a good day at all pitching. You were 13 of 43 at the plate. Uh, Gerton pitched four and a third, gave up four earned runs, 11 total runs. Josh Sanders uh, wasn't awful from him. He could be a quality arm out of the bullpen, especially with that wind. He only gave up one run, got five outs. Andrew Devine uh, got shelled again. He got shelled again. He, I don't know what he needs. I don't know if he needs to take a week off or something. He got shelled, gave up three runs, only got an out. Uh, Garrett Crowley gave up an uh, earned run, uh, no outs. Ethan Combs, pretty good. Got uh, two outs, critical outs there in the seventh. When you were being shelled, you were down uh, six. You were down four runs at that point. I'm sorry, six runs at that point. He got a couple outs, got it to Gerton. The offense exploded in the bottom of the seventh, and Beckel did what he does best and got a save out of it. Moving on to Saturday, Mason Molina, you have two lockdown starters that you feel really good about coming into this series. Neither played well. Mason Molina gave up seven earned runs on eight hits and four and a third. You really got to get your stars going five. If they can give you six innings, great. But you got to get them. You got to get to the sixth inning with your bullpen as you come down the stretch in conference play. 
Jace Lopez uh, got a couple outs, gave up a run, taper fast. I, I do like taper fast. I think he could be a quality arm out of the pen. He gave up two runs in two and two-thirds. And then Kyle Robinson, pretty good outing from him. One and a third, no earned runs, no hits. Uh, he walked a guy, got a strikeout. It it was kind of like Saturday, um, Friday, except you just did not have the juice to finish this one off. You fell behind 2-0 in the first, gave up another two in the third. You fought back, got three in the bottom of the third, gave up four in the next two innings, gave up another one in the sixth. And then you got three in the sixth, got one in the seventh, and then you put up a pair of goose eggs in the eighth or and ninth down by three. Uh, overall, this team fights back really hard. This team never feels like they're out of the game. Offensively, this team just never feels like they're out of the game. Um, I will say Austin Maxey, or sorry, Dylan Maxey, I, I do not know why I keep calling him Austin. I, I'm getting him confused with Austin Green or something. Dill Maxey, uh, 0 for 3, but did get on base with a walk and scored a run. I think he is a quality Saturday catcher, especially coming down the stretch. I know West Virginia is supposed to be good. Their Friday starter is going to be really good. We know that. Their Saturday starter, maybe not as much. I think Dill Maxey can give you something there. Kansas State, I think Dill Maxey can play well against them. Kansas OU, I, I think Dylan Maxey is going to be very important for you on Saturdays. You're probably going to win a good amount of Friday games uh, coming down the stretch in conference play. I think that he could be a really important piece for this Texas Tech team um, as they try to host a regional. And then on Sunday, you get shelled again. And I got to give a lot of credit to our starting pitcher. A lot of credit. Trendon Parrish gives up three runs early before he even gets a single out. That's all he gave up. He got you four innings. And you know what? If you can get four innings out of your Sunday starter, that's fine by me. I I would like to get more. I really would. But if you can get four innings out of your Sunday starter with this team, I think you feel good about it. Uh, Ryan Free, also a pretty good arm out of the pen. He gave up one run, wasn't earned. Uh, walked a guy three innings, only one run in three innings on a Sunday. That is a very good stat line for him. And then Brandon Beckel, again, does what he does best, gets another couple innings, no earned runs. You, you kind of exploded. You got three in the third, or two in the second, three in the third, one in the fourth. Gave up some with your pin early in the fifth and the sixth. Got a couple back in the sixth. And then tacked on another two in the eighth. So Brandon Beckel actually got another save since he came in in the top of the eighth when you're up by three runs. So two saves on the weekend for Brandon Beckel. Um, you got a win for Ethan Coombs. And then the win was credited on Sunday to Ryan Free, who also did a quality job out of the pin. But I got to give a lot of credit to Trenton Parrish. You may have found, you may have found a Sunday starter. May have. But overall, this weekend exposed some deficiencies in our bullpen. I'm going to start with the negative first. There are deficiencies in their bullpen. There are some good arms you can rely on. I mean, Ryan Free looked good. Brandon Beckel, obviously a stud. If you go to a regional, you can probably pitch four or five innings in a regional. That could be critical, especially if you can get your starters to get you five innings. It takes... 
27 innings to win a regional. You get five out of your first two starters, four out of your second one. You're at 14. You get another four innings out of Brandon Beckel. You're at 18. You're looking at nine innings. Bo Blessy, there is a lot of optimism he can come back. I know that was a guy that was expected to be a starter. I don't think when he comes back that he'll be a starter. I really don't. I, I, I don't think he'll be able to start for you right away. But can he give you a few innings? Can he give you three or four innings in a regional? I think he could. I think he could. And then you have another few guys out of the bullpen that can give you more innings. Hopefully Andrew Devine gets his head right. He was a really good pitcher back in 2020. Um, and also, one thing that seems similar about this team to last year, going into the regional, our bullpen did not look good at all last year. Then they went to Statesboro, and our bullpen was about the only thing, and our starting pitching was good too, uh, other than that first game against Notre Dame. But our bullpen... Put in a lot of work for us at the regional and did a darn good job at it. So you never know what arms are going to come alive when you get to the regional. Josh Sanders would be a good example last year. Did not pitch well uh, throughout the regular season. Then pitched really good in the regional. So can you count on him for a few innings, two or three in the regional? Quite possibly. Uh, and... I kind of go off the calculation. It takes 36 innings normally to win a regional. 27, you win your first three, you're in. 36 would be you lose uh, your third one after winning your first two, then win the fourth. Uh, then, of course, 45 innings. I mean, if you're going to your fifth starter, then <laughs> you're letting your bats fly, and that takes me to the good point for us. Man, Gage Harrelson had a weekend. He was sensational. I... Just looking up his stats alone, he was 3 of 6 on Friday. He was 3 of 5 on Saturday, and then he put up another 3 of 5 performance on Sunday. I mean, this guy came alive. I really like Tracer Lopez at shortstop, and most of these guys are young. Hudson White's a good player. Owen Washburn coming off of his snide again. Um, I said that I thought last week that he was going to go on a tear. He had been hitting horribly for us so far, but he was 2 of 3 on Friday. He he did go 0 for 4 on Saturday, and then he went uh, 2 for 4 on Sunday. So really good performance by him. Obviously, you have Gavin Cash, Austin Green, Kevin Bazell. Uh, Nestor Holen is a really good contact hitter. Your lineup looks good. And there is quite a good chance that Dylan Carter is returning. Maybe not even in time for the regional. Maybe not even in time for the Big 12 tournament. But even your last couple of weekend series. Um, so you should be getting Dylan Carter back. The lineup's going to get better. You're going to get a couple important arms out of the bullpen back. Um, overall, I feel like you're... In pretty good shape. This team has some clear deficiencies. Starting pitching needs to be cleared up. But overall, I, I like where this team is at. Uh, they're not going to be a national seed. They're not going to be a top eight seed. That doesn't mean you won't host the Super. I believe it was 2019. Could have been 2018. But when you played Duke in the Super, it was 2018. Sorry, 2019 was uh, Kurt Wilson going off on Oklahoma State in the eighth inning on that Sunday. But 
you I I feel really good about this team because there are reinforcements coming that should bump up the deficiencies. Your starting pitcher needs to be better. Um and I thought that they played pretty well starting pitching wise against Texas. But your Friday and Saturday starter, you need to get five innings out of those guys. You need to. With this bullpen, and there are a couple reinforcements coming for this bullpen. One of them probably going to be Bo Blessy. You got to get some more. You got to get five innings out of your Friday and Saturday start. You got to get that out of them. And if you can do that, I think you're in really good shape. Anyways, moving on. Um, so TCU fans had a lot to say about, uh, classlessness or something. I, I believe that you hit two of their players on Sunday. One of them was in a two, two count. Um, so yeah, if you think that was intentionally hit batter in a two, two count in a tight game, I'm sorry. You're just an idiot there. There's no other way to say that. I know TCU fans probably aren't listening to this. If they are, then, and you thought that was intentional, then yeah, sorry. Give me a one-star review. You're an idiot if you're a TCU fan and thought that was intentional. But you also got a couple batters hit. It was a chippy series. A TCU player got ejected. He slammed the bat on the ground, stood in the batter's box trying to show up the ump. Sarlus got ejected for call for arguing a ball and a strike after uh, his goons uh, on the bench were out there bumping the official. Uh, I, I know Bo Blessy got ejected for saying three little words, four little words, sorry, to a TCU batter as he walked to his dugout. He got a four-game suspension. TCU's uh, coaches go and bump an official, and there's nothing on that. You also had one of your assistant coaches suspended seven games for uh, official making contact with him in last year's regional. But we 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 digress. Um, Tuesday's game against Abilene Christian was postponed, rescheduled for May 9th. The North Dakota State Series has been re- reworked. Um, you'll, I'm sorry, I said that very wrong. You'll play on Friday instead. You will still play Friday, and then the Thursday game has been moved to a doubleheader on Saturday. Abilene Christian's a decent team. You're going to play them May 9th. Um, that could be an interesting one. You still have to go to their place on April 25th. Um, Abilene Christian is right between you and OU, kind of in the middle of the pack in the RPI there. Uh, so they are a quality team. If you can go 2-0 against them, great. But really, it's about beating North Dakota State this weekend, uh, getting some pitching under control, getting guys' confidence up. I wouldn't mind if Andrew Devine pitches there. Then Monday and Tuesday, you go to Palo Alto. I have no idea what that game's going to look like. I would take a 1-1 split uh, there in, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Because I don't trust your midweek pitching, and that that doesn't necessarily say you can't make it through a regional or a super regional, especially or the College World Series with how many days you get off. But I think that one, if you can go one and one there, you're pretty happy. Then you go to Norman. They lost a lot. They I know they won their series this past weekend. Norman's gonna be a tough place to play. It's about winning that series, but. 
We'll talk more about that next week. I I do want to touch on a couple on one thing. Uh, this was in the world of sports. This was uh, I I believe Angel Reese uh, from LSU and Caitlin Clark from Iowa. So women's college basketball has actually gotten pretty interesting. I I went to our game in the Big Twelve tournament. I actually had a really good time. I went to all nine of the men's games, at least caught the second half of all of them. I missed the first half of OSU-UT because I was at that women's game. And I think that was the game I most I got most pumped up for, actually, because our team was in the game. But, so, I know there was a lot of talk about double standards and all this. And I just want to point something out. Kaylin Clark, I know she did the you-can't-see-me gesture. To them, and she has a bit of arrogance about her during the game. Uh, no debate there. Also, after the final four against South Carolina, she celebrated, did something to her own fans, saying, like, I can't hear you, or something like that. And then she was also the first one from her team to quit celebrating and run over to the handshake line. Uh, seemed very consoling during it. Angel Reese. And congrats, they are national champions, completely deserved. Uh, their coach sucks. But she shadowed Caitlin Clark around the court for about 15 seconds. And I'm sorry. As the game's winding down, she dropped 30 on you. That's excessive. If you make a play during the game and want to say something, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and also, I... I don't know, shadowing somebody around the court. I don't mind the you-can't-see-me gesture or something like that. I saw that little thing being used to say it's a double standard. It's really not. It was the shadowing her around the court that seemed a bit off. Like, come on. You won the game. Celebrate that you won the game. Congratulations. Well-deserved. And on the other side, I know a lot of people are calling her classless. I'm not also not going to call a 20-year-old classless for having the best moment of their life and, in my mind, getting a bit carried away with the celebration and doing a bit of, bit of excessive taunting. I'm not going to go there on that. I, I don't think that, you, you know, with the best moment of your life, you achieve a dream that you always dreamed about. I don't think that's necessarily a class says a lot about her character that maybe she's classless. That That's just my opinion on it. Um, that concludes the women's sports segment of this one. Um, our softball is also doing very well. There is a good chance they can make the NCAA tournament. Uh, that series against Baylor will be a big one. Um, but that's going to do it here. I, I will say, you may be thinking, uh, content's going to dry up. Basketball, football is over. Oh, no, folks. That's where you're wrong. That is where you are wrong. Content will not be drying up. In fact... Uh, we're in the works of uh, interview with a former Texas Tech catcher. Um, hopefully that will be coming next week. I know I had one with Richards Isaacs. I heard that was doing some bang up numbers. I had to delete that. Uh, some, you know, the program's in flux. Uh, some things with the sun. So. Um, if you heard that, great. <laughs> it was very entertaining. It was up for about 24 hours before it got deleted. So that's why you should hit subscribe. Go ahead and give me a five-star review because there is another interview coming in the works um, that it may be and 
if I can get it to 15, 20 minutes, it will be a standalone episode. So hopefully two episodes next week. No, he's playing minor league ball. I have a busy week next week. So the schedule may be a bit dicey for when that comes out, when that all gets done. But there will be an interview with a Texas Tech baseball player uh, coming up. So that's going to do it for this one. I'm Jackson Moody. Thank you.